Hi, this is Paul, and I'm with Arnie Josephsberg, and he's the CTO of ServiceNow. He's doing some really interesting things, upgrading the infrastructure and enhancing it for ServiceNow, and we're going to ask him some questions about that. But before we get started, Arnie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, maybe provide a little background, some of the things you've done with yeah. Windows Azure, that sort of thing. Yeah, great. Or thanks for the uh, introduction, Paul. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Yeah, I have, uh, I'm uh, super excited to be here. Uh, I joined uh, ServiceNow about seven months ago. And prior to ServiceNow, I spent uh, actually 26 years at Microsoft, you know, so obviously a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, at Microsoft, I got involved in sort of online and kind of what we now call cloud, you know, from the very, very early stages, uh, being part of the MSN 1.0 launch team, which was really the very first online internet thing we did at Microsoft. And since then, I was sort of uh, involved in all aspects of online and cloud development. I built uh, all of Microsoft's global data centers and global networks. Um, so I pretty much worked around anything we did online. And the last two years at Microsoft, I joined the Windows Azure group where I ran three other development organizations there, sort of building up, uh, you know, Microsoft's uh, cloud computing platform. So had a fantastic time at Microsoft. It's one of the greatest companies in the industry. But, you know, uh, I had the, it was sort of, you know, perfect timing for me uh, to jump on uh, this new opportunity with ServiceNow uh, in late September. And kind of what I like to tell people is I joined Microsoft actually in, in a very similar stage of the company's evolution to where ServiceNow is today. You know, when I joined Microsoft, it was actually just months before Microsoft went public. You probably know that ServiceNow has, we have filed our S1 uh, uh, to go public. Yep. Back in those days, Microsoft was still a kind of an unknown company. When I, you know, I joined Microsoft from Intel, and people asked me, you know, why would you leave Intel to go to this you know, tiny <laughs> little company, Microsoft? We never heard about it, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of the same today, you know, when I joined ServiceNow, people we were like, why would you leave Microsoft to go to ServiceNow? We never heard about ServiceNow. It's so very similar. And, you know, back in those early days of Microsoft, we had no idea how big Microsoft would eventually become. You know, it was, uh, but there was a lot of passion, a lot of energy and we kind of just felt there was unlimited potential. And I got to tell you, you know, as I joined ServiceNow, I have that same feeling of incredible passion, incredible opportunity, you know, unlimited potential here. So it, it feels, you know, just fantastic, uh, you know, to be here. And the experience you have at Microsoft with online services and the infrastructure underlying those, that's a perfect fit, it sounds like, for ServiceNow. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I've noticed is, you know, we talk about cloud computing, but that means a lot of things. There's mm -hmm. SaaS applications, and each of those have maybe some different architectures. And then there's applications that are built on top of scale-out public clouds. Maybe you can tell us some of your thoughts on the ServiceNow architecture. Maybe um, I know you've done some great stuff with the advanced high availability that you yeah. announced this week. Maybe tell us some of, some about that. Yeah. Yeah, and really, uh, you know, my, uh, Paul, my role at, at ServiceNow is really to evolve the cloud architecture and make sure we, we continue to become uh, more scalable, more robust, uh, and more performant, and more secure. You know, we, uh, you know, one thing that really uh, surprised me as I joined here is, uh, you know, the, the customer base that we have is, is pretty incredible. It's all the large financial institutions, large insurance companies, large pharmaceuticals, government agencies. Uh, it, it's just sort of the, the, the top echelon of, of enterprise customers have chosen to go with ServiceNow, which actually was very, very surprising to me. 
So then, it, then you have to ask yourself, well, how come uh, these large enterprises that are very security and, and, and reliability conscious, how come they, they bet on service now? And, and, and if you look at various cloud architectures, um, uh, you know, ServiceNow has a very unique architecture. I spent a lot of my initial focus uh, uh, on that, and we're right now rolling out something we call the, the Generation 2 system architecture. So when you think about these enterprises, you know, why, why, do, uh, why do enterprises want to move to cloud? What, what is it they like about cloud? Well, they like dynamic provisioning, elasticity, you know, capacity on demand. They like the automation uh, aspects. They like... Uh, uh, economies of scale. They can take advantage of the economy, economies of scale of the cloud provider. They like small failure domains. They like resiliency. All of these things, that's what people love about cloud. Uh, our architecture is really unique in that we, ha- we have all those characteristics of, of cloud that people love, but at the same time, you, ha- you have to ask yourself, what are, what are the things that make people hesitant about moving to cloud? And it it's always always comes down to you know data isolation, di- data privacy, data security. So what's really unique about our architecture is we kind of combine what I call the best of cloud, which is kind of what I described: elasticity, uh, rapid deployment, failover, uh, redundancy, with the best of being sort of on-premise, which means you control your data, you you, you control the access, because in our architecture. Um, we run what, what I would describe as a, a multi-instance architecture, meaning each customer's data is logically separated from other customers' data. So we sort of guarantee that uh, enterprise A's data isn't intermingled with other customers' data. And that's really, i got to say, that really resonates with you know, CIOs uh, of, of these large enterprises. It's, it's actually... A, a pretty unique architecture in in the cloud business and really plays well uh, for us right now. That's great. And I think since you announced this week the advanced high availability, maybe you could talk about how that architecture plays into that, how this separation of data uh, among customers helps with that. Yeah, yes. So so as I mentioned, Paul, we've been, uh, over the last several months, we've been in the process of rolling out our Generation 2 system architecture and, and sort of moving... Uh, all our new customers go straight into Gen 2 and migrating existing customers from, from Gen 1 to Gen 2. And, uh, and uh, we realized with this type of customer base, uh, availability is absolutely critical. So sort of what I would call sort of the crowning element, the final component that sort of rounds out our Gen 2 architecture is what we call advanced uh, high availability, and as you know, as you said, we announced yeah. it yesterday. It's it's actually uh, already available on the platform, and uh, and essentially what it means is um, uh, we now have in, in Gen two we have data centers that are mirrored by region. So in the U.S. we'll we'll have a, we have an East Coast and a West Coast data center. In Europe we have a Amsterdam and London data center. Uh, we're also building out these mirror data centers in, in countries like you know Switzerland and Canada. So we're, we're fairly, for the size of our company, we're fairly broadly uh, geographically uh, distributed. So uh, so with advanced high availability, uh, each customer instance in this multi-instance architecture is now completely replicated in a mirrored data center. And 
This is where this uh, multi-instance architecture lends itself very, very well to this type of uh, availability uh, technology. So essentially what happens is um, as we provision new customers, we sort of create these uh, instances in two mirror, two mirror data centers. The data at the database layers, I, I mentioned each customer has an isolated data set. That data set is replicated to the mirror data center in near real time. And then, then uh, we built quite a bit of automation around that, uh, sort of the secret sauce in that all the provisioning and the failover uh, is completely automated. But, you know, uh, in some cases, uh, replication itself is not a lo- uh, sufficient for high availability because there are cases where the source data itself is corrupted. You know, we've had situations where customers accidentally deleted a portion of their data. Right. Now, in a in an HA architecture that's solely re- uh, relying on, on replication, the problem is if you delete data in your primary active node, that's going to replicate to your passive, you know, to your yeah. standby node. So now that data is lost on both ends. So we're uh, uh, that's why we call our, our solution advanced high high availability because we're combining many concepts in in a complete solution where we we include uh, sort of more traditional backup and restore. So in each of these replicated sites, we're also doing daily backups of the data. So if the customer says, "Hey, I need to go back to hey, I made an error, I deleted some critical data, I need to go back to data that I had two days ago," we can do that as well. Uh, and then I'd say the 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 really the secret sauce in all of this, and you know, frankly, the secret sauce in cloud is the amount of automation around this. If if we had to have a person manually intervene in any of these steps, you know, we would have failures down the road. So uh, the real key to this is uh, you know full automation of uh, HA provisioning, how we set customers up and the automation of how we fail over customers from a primary to secondary uh, uh, data center. Now, in today's world, there's a lot of concern about uh, business continuity and disaster recovery. And, um, you know, I remember uh, when I worked in IT many years ago, you know, we had a disaster recovery plan, but you never really knew that when you actually needed to execute it, did it actually work? Yeah. Uh, so one of the one of the real nice things about how we put together advanced high availability, it sort of combines the notions of high availability with disaster recovery. Uh, and, and let me explain kind of how that works. We are essentially exercising the DR capability on an ongoing basis. So now that we have two uh, near time replicated versions of the customer's instance, say we we uh, need to do an upgrade of the software. Let's say there's a security patch that needs to be applied. With this architecture, what we do now is we apply the patch to the passive side of the HA set. We fail over the customer uh, to the passive. So the passive data center now becomes the active. And then we apply the, the patch or the upgrade to what used to be the active site. You know, and why, why, why is that important? Well, it really achieves two things. It means we're essentially exercising the DR capability on a regular basis so customers never have to worry about well you know if something really bad happens will the DR actually work well we know it's going to work because we're going to use it in our sort of 
you know, week-to-week daily operation of upgrading the, the infrastructure. We're going to use this failover capability. So it, it's actually a, a sort of embedded in how we run the business. It's not something you do once every three years or every five years when a disaster happens, and you, then you really don't know if it's going to work or not. So it's very fundamental to us to exercise uh, sort of this DR capability on, on an ongoing, uh, ongoing basis. The other interesting thing is ma- uh, how we leverage the architecture is for maintenance. So typically, you know, all most cloud providers have, have these maintenance windows where, you know, they need to do some upgrade and the service you know, is taken off the air, they apply the upgrades and then bring it up. Well, uh, we can now reduce traditional maintenance windows to right. absolute minimum. Essentially, uh, the way I describe how we do maintenance with failover is the maintenance window only needs to be as long as it takes to failover the customer from the primary to the secondary uh, a data center. And as you, uh, we showed in the you know, real-life demo yesterday, uh, we're talking about minutes. Uh, you know, I think it took us you know, three and a half minutes to right. do the, the data center failover. So it's a very efficient way uh, to minimize uh, outage due to maintenance uh, upgrades. Maybe I can ask you one other question, sort of moving a little bit away from the infrastructure discussion to the platform as a service discussion. Yeah. T- tell us more about what your thoughts are, what current or future capabilities for, for ServiceNow around PaaS are, are going to be. Yeah, great, uh, great uh, question, Paul. So it, it, it's really, really interesting because, uh, you know, when uh, when I was first made aware of you know ServiceNow, you know when, when they called me about this this uh, CTO opportunity, uh, I, I essentially knew very very little about you know virtually nothing about the company. But the company has been known as a SaaS provider for IT. Uh, but in a way, it's kind of a misnomer because uh, you know when uh, Fred Luddy founded the company, uh, it was, they really built this as an application platform. Now they chose to uh, focus on IT because they, you know, Fred really felt that IT was the biggest opportunity at the time. So uh, on top of the platform, we built a suite of IT SaaS applications. You know, traditional incident management, problem management, configuration management, etc. But the reality is that's just one instantiation of the ServiceNow platform. And, you know, the interesting thing is our customers have realized that uh, they have taken, you know, the ServiceNow platform and extended it into uh, real estate management, HR management, etc. So the reality is, even without us sort of formally going into the area of generalized, you know, uh, platform as a service, essentially half of our customers, you saw the show of hands yesterday in the, yeah. in the keynote, uh, about half of our customers have already taken ServiceNow outside of the IT realm into other aspects of the business. So at the end of the day, I think one of the most exciting aspects of ServiceNow is is uh, going into a generalized application development platform as a service uh, environment. Uh, and that, that to me is probably the most exciting opportunity for the company in the future. And, and the nice thing is we don't need to re-engineer what we have because that's really how the platform was developed to begin with. At the end of the day, uh, it's an application development uh, cloud-based platform. And uh, that's where we're going to invest to make it easier for customers to do you know, HR or real estate or financial. You know, that, 
type of, of, of applications on top of the platform, on top of the platform. You know, uh, really, really exciting opportunity for us. And I know we're going to have to stay tuned for some of that. Anything you want to share in the short term on the platform as a service direction, or? Well, you know, from a, you know, I spend most of my time in sort of the infrastructure and yeah. the technology area. Uh, one exciting uh, development for us is uh, the fact we're going to extend our backend storage architecture. Now, today, uh, it's all relational based. Uh, you know, uh, SQL, MySQL relational databases. We are working on introducing what's called NoSQL architectures into our backend. And, you know, the significance of that is if you think about building very advanced, uh, you know, applications on top of the ServiceNow platform, say, you know, applications around large data and business intelligence and analytics, you have to store massive amounts of data. So I think uh, we are preparing the platform now for being that type of, of application development environments for you know large scale data large scale analytics by introducing sort of no non sql type of technology into the into the data layer of, of the architecture awesome well i'm definitely looking forward to following the progress on that and arnie thanks a lot for spending the time great really enjoyed it thank you paul thanks